Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. And then by Friday, you're like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this is too hard. Yeah. Juice diet. Jokes um, diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty obvious, that one. Obviously, yeah. a lot of food with toddlers ends up on the floor, but yeah. that hasn't stopped us from putting it. And you're like, you watch it go down there and you think, <laughs> Hello and welcome. This week, we are joined by Kate Freeman, who is going to help us chat through that minefield of family meal planning. If meal planning is an issue at your house and you're not sure what's happening for dinner tonight, let alone next week, this is where you're going to get all of the answers. And before we bring Kate on, we better introduce her. So Kate is a registered nutritionist, wife, mum of two, food lover, and she also loves holding random vegetables in photo shoots. And if you don't (laughs) believe me, go check out her website. She wants you to be free from food stress, confident in your food choices, healthy, but more than anything, she wants you to move on with your life and do things that make you happy. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be here. So I really want to start off and play the devil's advocate and just throw a bunch of key diets at you. Paleo, keto, <laughs> gaps. Oh, like a rapid fire round and be like, good, Atkins, bad, yeah. good, bad. <laughs> yes, yes. Like what, what word comes to your mind when I say Atkins? Restrictive. Restrictive. Oh, good. What about paleo? Not evidence-based. Oh, this is fun. Keto? Keto. Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Very restrictive again. Constipation. Oh, no. Constipation. Juice diet. Oh, no. But jokes um, is- Diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty obvious that one. Well, Kate actually has, like, you've got a really interesting episode because you have a podcast as well, The Daily Dollop. And if people haven't yet checked it out, yeah. I really encourage it because your bite-sized episodes are really, inf- like, they're just totally information packed. You have one episode that I've listened to on the celery diet, that guy who was yeah, like, promoting celery juice. juice. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. So I highly recommend that episode because it just sounds like hot trash, to be honest, like (gasps) that diet. Have you done one on the potato guy? Remember there was a guy who literally just ate potatoes. He sounds like my kind of guy. (laughs) There's one food I could eat 10 Uh, ways, it would be potato. Yeah, and like he reckoned he lost heaps (laughs) of weight on it too. And I was just like. You could, you could lose weight on a potato diet. Just maybe not get that much nutrition. Oh, wow. Yeah. Would you get like scurvy? No, did you know actually that so most big Western countries do sort of population nutrition research in terms of where they're getting their nutrients from. And so Americans eat so much potato that it is the number one source of vitamin C in their diet. So even though potato is not a very good source of vitamin C, it still contains vitamin C. And because they eat so much of it, it's the number one source of vitamin C in the American diet. Does that just show you how bad the American diet is? Is that that what that research kind of... Well, they just eat a lot of potato. (laughs) And they don't eat a lot of vegetables like that are rich in vitamin C. What is it for Australia? There you go. I don't actually know that specific stat for Australians, but I do know that in Australia, only 6% of adults eat the recommended amount of vegetables. <gasps> so like, so we're not very good vegetable eaters. No. Wow, that is wild. I feel like I eat a decent amount of vegetables. So what, what, is, the, the, what yeah, is the, the recommended amount? The food standards amount? do change. So what is the – I remember it used to be two and five, didn't it? Two pieces of fruit and five veggies or something five like that. Cup, five cups of veggies. Yeah, so yeah. that's still the recommendation is two thirds of fruit, five thirds of veggies. 
And so you serve, if you're researching it and doing scientific studies on it, it's 60 grams of veg, but nobody weighs out vegetables. Not even I do. So it's about a cup of raw vegetables. So a cup of baby spinach or it's like half a large tomato or half a large carrot or a quarter of a large capsicum. Um, That kind of sort of volume is a serve or it's half a cup cooked because, you know, when you cook things, it's sort of reducing volume a little bit. Or if it's spinach, you know, you start with about a kilo and it comes down to about a tablespoon. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. It makes you feel like you're eating a lot and then it's actually, once it's on your plate, it doesn't look like that much. And if you're not a huge fan of spinach, you can kind of just eat it in one mouthful and it's gone. (laughs) I'm so not a fan of cooked spinach. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I'm actually looking, um, we've got your website up right now and one of the photos on the homepage is of this beautiful, I think it's what you call a pokey bowl. Or what yes. is, yeah, and I don't know where this trend has come from. They, it seems to be quite popular. It's like the but acai it is so, bowls. Yeah, it is so colourful and beautiful and mm. full of vegetables and like rice and it just looks delicious. Like you must have such a great diet at home with your family. Is that is that true for you as a nutritionist? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean you can't spend so much time reading and studying and learning about nutrition and, and it not affects your food choices. Mm. But I think one of the things that I love to educate people about in nutrition is because sometimes we know what we to eat, but we still don't do it. Or Guilty. like hot chips dipped in aioli is delicious. So we want to eat that. And so it's kind of like going, yeah, I 100% absolutely eat well. Like we eat veggies and fruit every day. But I'm also not um, a wowser with food. Like I eat cake and I eat chips and, yeah, I just eat yummy things too. But I've kind of figured out for me what's the right balance for me to maximize my health and maintain my weight. Do you know what I mean? And so I feel confident in what I'm eating day to day. And I think, yeah, that's what I want to help other people feel is how do I eat every day to achieve my goals but, you know, not feel stressed about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a key word you've used there. Kate is balance like it's about balance and making sure that you're getting like enough nutrition but that you're not being so restricted Mm. that you can't you know that you then have a blowout because you can't feel like you know one week you feel like you can't eat that food and then you do eat one of it and so then you're going to eat 10 million of it because you know you've already ruined your diet like it sounds like balance is really (laughs) important oh that is such a problem in our household it's like okay on Monday we're starting you know this it's always a Monday yeah I I don't know why (laughs) it's like why do we say motivated Monday yeah it must be and then it, it just goes to poo because you know it's the start of a working week and kids at school and stuff but yeah it's like you already ate bad on Friday night so we'll start fresh on Monday so I can have two more nights of eating bad before I start good like oh, why yeah. do we do that yeah this is why I don't like like bad diets or even specific dietary patterns like keto or paleo because like a label because basically it's creating healthy eating with this black and white description mm. no grains no dairy eat this don't eat that whereas if you think about food and your diet it's not black and white it's really gray because we eat for so many different reasons and it's not wrong or right it's just the nature of our culture and our food supply and our up bringing and like foods we like to eat or we're used to eating and our skill in the kitchen Mm. and so I want people to kind of rather like to sort of ditch the labels around their diet and just know all right these are the foods that are going to maximize my nutrition in terms of nutrients these are the foods that are a little bit lower on the nutrition scale so we want to learn to balance them and then 
yeah, build the skills like meal planning or food organization or shopping or cooking so that then they can, you know, put it into practice day to day. So it's not just like I wake up Monday and I channel all of my effort into being perfect. And then by Friday, you're like, I don't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This is too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so then we swing from one extreme to other. So I want to try, I'm really passionate about helping people find the middle ground, which is, yeah, so people see me eat cake and they're like, oh, I'm going to put a photo of you eating cake on social media. I'm like, great, do it. <laughs> yes, I'm friend you are. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about... I'm like, I'm a human being. I'm eating cake. That's fine. I'm allowed to. It's my food choice. Yes, so, it's about And at balance. the end of the day, yeah, I'm allowed to eat whatever I want. I'm an adult. So yeah. and I that's what I want my clients to feel. I remember yeah. you yeah. talking on one of your episodes about how, you know, like you can go out and you could just eat pizza and like that's fine. You've chosen to eat pizza, you know, and potentially you want to go and get pizza and you have one less piece of the pizza and instead add a little bit of a side salad. And I was like, wow, yeah. you know, like it really did just flip that whole like all or nothing thinking on its yeah. head. It's like it doesn't yeah. just have to be yeah. I'm going to go out and have like a bender on bad food. <laughs> like yes. I can actually yeah. have balance. So Kate, yeah, 100%. what's your philosophy on the – the old 90s diet saying everything in moderation? (laughs) Well, I think the word moderation is a vague word Mm -hmm. in general. Like, what does that mean? Mm. I actually did Google it once and I think its definition is not taking something to the extreme. Mm. But yeah, I mean, everything in moderation, yeah, great. That means that we're drinking alcohol and we're eating some sweet foods and, you know, we're having hot chips and aioli because we like that or whatever it is we want to eat. And I think that there's a good thought around that because it it is sort of promoting balance. But I think it kind of doesn't really articulate to someone. Like I remember someone sitting in my office years ago. He's just been diagnosed with high blood pressure and his doctors told him to reduce his salt intake. And he really likes bacon, which is particularly high in Mm. salt. And he literally just looked at me and he was like, so I can never eat bacon again. And I was like, well, no, not necessarily. You can eat bacon. You just need to moderate it. Yeah. And he was like, what does that mean? Like how often? Once a week? <laughs> once a month? And and I remember thinking to myself, and it was early on in my career, I was like, yeah, that's super vague advice, Kate. Like, And so I sort of said, yeah, well, in the context of everything else that you're eating, because I knew what the rest of his diet was and what other foods were contributing to his salt intake, I could then say within that context as him as an individual, I was like, I think once a week is probably sufficient for you. And he was like, great. But if I just then went onto social media and was like, you eat bacon once a week, well, that doesn't mean anything because what about the person who's got a much lower sodium intake or they're not having sodium for other foods? Do you know what I mean? So yes. I think everything in moderation is a good thing, but it, it always really needs to be done in the context of the individual, yeah. like and their food and what their goals are and how they like to eat and stuff like that. So I've got a question for you as a mum who has a preppy in a year one and mm. like my husband said the other day, you know, I feel like school lunches is the price you pay to get them out of the house for the day. <laughs> and I just <laughs> laugh because like school holidays are great because you're like, oh, I don't have to do lunch for tomorrow. And, and blah 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 but then you do have the children home all day which after two weeks a payoff <laughs> yeah so there's definitely a trade-off in, in the sacrifice but how can 100%. how can we as parents make school lunches easy for us but also healthy for our kids so that they actually eat it I think that 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 depends on the family you know because the definition this is me like being real philosophical so I'm sorry if I get a bit meta and deep but (laughs) it's kind of like what's the definition of easy do you know what I mean Mm. so for example some for some people 
spending 10 minutes in the morning as part of their routine, chopping up a piece of fruit, chopping up a carrot, popping in a tub of yogurt, popping in a packet of popcorn and then making, you know, a chicken and lettuce sandwich, which is, you know, perfectly healthy lunchbox. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes them 10 minutes to do that. That feels easy for them. But a ho- another person would be like, no, nah, friggin', I can't cut that fruit or that. Do you know what I mean? That feels hard yeah. for them. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm a big believer in developing like the skills to make food prep easier because I think at the end of the day, healthy food, in particular fruits and vegetables, do need more prep than chucking, you know, a packet of chips and an LCM bar in a lunchbox. Like that's easy. Mm. Get it out of the cupboard and put it in the box compared to, you know, cutting the apple up or chopping up the carrot sticks. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's building the skill up so that doing a small amount of food prep does feel easy. Mm -hmm. But I do think that some kind of plan, like where you've thought in advance about what you're going to put in the lunchbox or what you're going to put in the table for dinner time or whatever, like forethought with food is 100% a habit and a skill I think that everybody should have, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I have to admit, like, if I don't get lunches done the night before and I leave them till the next morning, which is happening more often than not lately, being heavily pregnant, mm. I find that the next morning is crazy and yeah, chaotic. chaotic and we get out the door and it's like, oh my goodness, that was a marathon. And I'm not, I'm not my best self. <laughs> And my kids are not their best selves in response. And I think, yeah, having that forethought and being able to do stuff in advance is Mm. way better. I've seen heaps Mm. of people who do like food prep for the whole week and like Ziploc bag or snack bag a lot of their lunches and stuff and they just go, you know, one from each bucket into the lunchbox every day. What are your thoughts on especially like for fruit and veggies and things that do tend to kind of, you know, discolour if they've had a bit too much airtime? What's your Mm. thoughts on that preparation? I I think it's a good idea if you can consistently do the act. Like I know people who love doing bulk meals and they do all their meals for the week or all their lunch boxes, but then they only do the bulk prep when they feel like it. And then they're like, oh, sometimes it's just too hard. So then they are not consistent at doing that. Then it doesn't Mm. help them. But I think I don't like that personally because I think it's challenging enough to get kids to eat the fruit and vegetables in their lunchbox in the first place because they'll always prefer the yummier foods like the crackers and the yogurt right? Mm. They'll always want to eat that food first as a preference. And so if you've got, you know, some carrot sticks, some fruit, you know, crackers, yogurt and a sandwich, the kids are going to eat the carrot sticks last. <laughs> like it's all in front of them. Like yeah. they just will yeah. because that it's the least tasty and it's also the least satiating in that it's not actually giving them masses of energy, mm. but it's obviously giving them lots of nutrition. Yeah. But they, they don't care about that. Um, so I think if you've Cutting that stuff up in advance, it's, you know, by Friday, it's not going to be that pretty. And so it's going to be even less enticing to them. Mm. So personally, I like to cut those ones, those things up fresh. Yeah. Either night before is probably the longest I'd do mm. it personally. So what, um, is, what is your plan then? Because you've got kids in school. How do you manage mm. the, the struggle of keeping lunch boxes fresh and healthy? And interesting. Mm. Yeah. So I keep lunchbox is pretty standard in that they always have a fruit they always have a vegetable and they always have like some kind of dairy or a grain so they'll like they kind of have to pick from these food groups Mm -hmm. and then at the beginning of the week when I'm writing my shopping list 
I'm like hollering out to them because they're big now and on their devices. I'm like, oi, what do you want for your fruit this week? And they'll be like, I want watermelon or I want pineapple or you know, whatever. Mm. What do you want for your veggie? Um, and then and then they can pick a favorite snack. So because I also don't want their lunch. One of the challenges I've had is their lunchbox was like uber healthy when I, they first started school, like kindy year one. Mm. Like no processed food in their lunchbox. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, why don't I have chips or <laughs> like tiny teddies? And they feel left out. And so I've kind of like balanced out their lunchbox a little bit more these days because I also socially don't want them to be that kid. stressed about it. <laughs> well, that's like so touching have- on that point you said earlier about like there's many reasons why we eat food. And, you know, mm. if you're sitting there mm. socially with your friends and they've all got the junk food or they've, you know, whatever you want to call it, processed food, and you don't <laughs> consistently, it becomes a little bit of a comparison. So if you like to sit and eat show- socially and all share, you know, chips, it's like it's yeah. it's a socially inclusive. So I can understand why you would, yeah, why you would have changed your lunchbox routine a little bit. Mm. Yeah, so my kids will have like a package, like the you know the small chips in their lunchbox, or they might have um, pretzels, or um, or Asha, who's twelve now, she'll make some cupcakes or some biscuits over the weekend, and that'll go into their lunchbox, that kind of thing. And so their lunchbox is just a mixture of I try and go. They have a snacky food. They've got some sort of lunch in there, which is usually a sandwich. In winter, they do like taking um, leftovers in a thermos, and so they zap it in the morning and then put it in a thermos so they have a hot lunch at lunchtime. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. awesome. That's cool. I mean, I can't see my five-year-old um, doing that, but that's great if you, nah, your kids are advanced planning. Kids, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, they'll have like leftover green curry or fried rice or Yum. spaghetti bolognese or, or a stir-fry, like something that we've had for dinner that they like. Um, pumpkin soup is another favorite they like. Um, and then they'll have a fruit and a vegetable. But I don't know if you caught the episode, so I get I bring Carter on the show about talking about lunchboxes mm-hmm. and he goes, he admits to not eating the vegetable ever. <laughs> Bless him. Isn't that sad too when you know it's like ended up in the bin and you're like, oh. But yeah. you kind of have to keep putting but it in there. Yeah, because if it's not in there, they're definitely not going to eat it. So That's if it, it is in there the higher chance that they're going to. And I'm just like, in my opinion, it's just normalizing vegetable consumption because only 6% of adults are eating enough veggies. Mm. Can you imagine what the stat would be on people who don't eat any? I reckon it'd be really high. Oh, yeah, I think so. I was just going to say, it's not normal for them. Like we meet heaps of kids through the clinic with our pediatric dietitian, Michelle, and they don't see a vegetable all week. And so then their parents put vegetables in front of them on this odd occasion where mum's decided she's really going to try and they turn their nose up at it mm. but because it's, it's so unfamiliar to them. So yeah. me putting the vegetable in the lunchbox, which has happened from kindergarten, is just part of normalizing vegetables in their life. Like just, yeah. it's just in front of them all the time. Whether they eat it or not, that's their choice. But it's just making it familiar to them. So oh, it's, it's, it's almost – it's like persevering really, you know, with – and I mm. found this when the kids were babies. If I gave them the meat first when they were, you know – finger fooding and learning to kind of mouth and and chew and when they were a year old or whatever if I gave them the meat stuff first they didn't want the vegetables later yeah or the salad I've noticed that with my kid too yeah I always would switch it around and be like you know eat the salad stuff first when you're really hungry and then switch to the the meat or the treat or whatever it was towards the end yeah and and that worked really well yeah we um obviously a lot of food with toddlers ends up on the floor but that hasn't stopped us from putting (laughs) and you're like you watch it go down there and you think 
Good thing I spent so much time preparing that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But we'll do it again tomorrow. And you just keep putting it on there because – Sure, you don't feel like eating avocado today, but tomorrow you're going to eat the avocado. But if I continuously discourage and I stop giving you avocado, well, then you're literally never going to eat it. So you just got to keep trying. So if you hate food waste, feeding kids is very stressful. Well, (laughs) that's true. I often say to parents, yeah, who, where I'm like, just keep putting it on their plate. I'm like, it doesn't have to be massive, just a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but what if it gets wasted? I'm like, it's serving a purpose. It's serving a, even though it's not nourishing them at this point, it's still just got to be there. So Mm. it becomes normal. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, so true. Awesome. But well, we... I don't know if I answered the question about planning lunchboxes, but. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, I, I really good information in there. Yeah. I think we could talk about this all day, but I think we'll take a break and we'll do a clutter confession with you, Kate. And when we come back, we'll talk more about meal planning. Clutter confessions. <laughs> Okay, Kate, so part of what we do with our guests is we drop them in the deep end and we ask them a clutter confession. So a clutter confession is something weird, wacky or wonderful that um, you hold on to. It could be a collection, could be a single item that probably doesn't make a lot of sense to anybody else but makes a lot of sense to you. So is there something in your home or your life that you think, yeah, that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense but I've got it anyway? Yes, there is. I hoard dresses. Okay, tell us more. Straight to it. Tell us more. (laughs) So I'm really good because I do hate clutter just generally I'm a minimalist person oh I'm yes, always really good it. at coloring my wardrobe so if clothes if I grow out of clothes and my body shape changes or whatever it doesn't bother me I'm happy to chuck clothes out and just keep my wardrobe stuff that I'm actually wearing except dresses so I have brides all my bridesmaids dresses I've ever been in I've got dresses that I've only ever worn once to different events dresses that don't even fit me anymore I just can't throw them out and I keep them and now I've just moved into a new house <sighs> I've had to move them into like the spare bedroom cupboard because <laughs> just I can't fit them anymore yes and, the overflow it's overflow dresses but it's so silly because I don't wear I actually don't like wearing dresses that oh, often what because I <laughs> I know it's so weird because I feel too girly in them and I'm like I'd just much rather be in a pair of jeans and boots or something but I think oh. it's because my husband's like oh you're so pretty in dresses you should wear more dresses I'm like yeah I will and then I don't and then I still keep them oh. I love that because I think that really speaks to ideas identity like there is the idealism there is an identity that you can put on when you put on a dress yeah 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 it's the it makes you feel a certain way and like we often a lot of us reserve them for a certain type of occasion as opposed to everyday wear and yeah it just like Mm. it's something that it make how it makes you feel I'm interested to know though just to like challenge your dress mentality just just a smidge you mentioned that they make you feel very feminine so do you ever wear your dresses with like ankle boots or even with like chunky white sneakers? No, I don't. Do you know what? I just had this thought about them. You guys are helping me. (laughs) (laughs) You're helping us. We're loving it. (laughs) Is that, okay, so normally my normal attire is like jeans, a nice top, boots, a messy bun, and then occasionally I do my hair like nice and straight, right? And I feel like I look presentable, but don't get super lots of comments about my appearance. But I don't mind because I don't like drawing masses of attention to myself. But when I wear a dress, it's like, look at you. Aren't you looking pretty today? Or, oh, look at you. Like, I don't know. I think get attention 
when I wear a dress and I don't like it. Yeah. I think. Okay. And it could be you know because I mean? of like, how oh, fabulous. you dress up today or Yeah, something. and it could I mean? be because of how fabulous you look in the dress or simply as you've just mentioned, could it be that because it is a distinct contrast to the normal attire that you wear that people yeah. comment on it. However, if you wore those dresses more frequently, would they still bring up the comment? Mm. That's right. I've never tested that theory. You should totally <laughs> test it. Enough. As we get into the chillier weather, you're going to pop yes. on a leather jacket and some boots and a dress. Test the theory, yeah. Kate. Let us know how it goes. I feel like you're okay. like Catherine Heigl in 27 Dresses. You've got this cupboard <laughs> full of dresses that you've only ever so worn once um, and they're all different. Isn't it interesting how we hang on to bridesmaids' dresses as well, knowing we will most likely never wear them again, but it just feels like weird to get rid of it. <laughs> I still have some that I need to deal with. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I really don't think the bride, 10 years down the track, still wants us to have it. But it's this weird obligation. Do you still have the bridesmaid dress from my wedding? No. Oh. Must have really been like not ripped sh- that off at the end of the day. Not and like, sure I'm never how I feel again. about that, <laughs> considering you've got the others. Oh, that's Moving awesome. along. <laughs> well, thank you for your confession, Kate. And for anyone listening, if you have a clutter confession or something weird, whacking and wonderful, a collection, whatever it might be that you're hanging on to, we love to hear about it. So what you can do is send us an audio message. You just head to the Facebook page or DM us on any of our socials as well. Okay, so we're talking about meal planning and so far we have covered lunch boxes and, you know, making it easy for each individual family rather than a blanket, this is what you should do, stock standard, which I really appreciate because that is my philosophy in organising. No cookie cutter approaches here. Everything's very individualised. But I think we need to talk about meal planning because this is always one of the kind of epitomes for our clients. Like they want to get more organised at home and they want to do meal planning as part of it. So... If I am a busy mum with a couple of kids and I want to get into meal planning for the first time ever, where do I start? Such a good question. So it depends on your personality, in my opinion, how you should approach meal planning. So I think some people's personalities are more naturally inclined to sort of strategically organizing either their thoughts or what they're going to do in advance, whereas other people are a little bit more ad hoc and they choose food based on how they feel at the time or do you know what I mean? So I think being really aware of your personality when it comes to meal planning is really important because like if you're an ad hoc, feely, sort of do it on the fly kind of person, the idea I imagine of sitting down with, you know, a notepad or like a Kiki K like meal planner and spelling out every single meal and snack from Monday to Sunday right? Mm. It's just going to be this huge shift in the way that you are choosing food. And I think, you know, you can stare at that whole week's meal plan and be like, can't think of anything and like pull a mental blank Mm. or it just takes you hours to do, which then kind of undermines the whole behavior because you don't want to do it again. And then if you're not actually doing the act of meal planning, it can't actually serve you. So what I like to say to clients is some kind of forethought, so thinking ahead, either a day in advance or three days in advance or a week in advance, whatever suits you, will help you, one, have healthy food available because you know what to shop for and you can have it ready in your you know, your pantry or your fridge or at work or wherever you need it. And it will also help you with decision fatigue. So, you know, the end of a really long day and you don't know what's for dinner and you're like, I'm going to have for dinner. What am I going to have for dinner? Mm. What do I feed you people? Do you know what I mean? And then you can't think of anything because you're so tired and you've been making decisions all day. And believe it or not, like 
I love food. I love cooking. I'm really, I would like to think I'm a really good nutritionist. And I still, if I haven't done a meal plan, I get to the end of a really big day running the businesses. And I'm like, freaking don't know what to feed you people. I can't think of anything. <laughs> like, and I just have full decision fatigue. So I think some kind of planning in advance is vital, but it, don't put it in a box of, you know, I have to go out and buy this planner or have a spreadsheet or doesn't have to be full gung-ho, but it's kind of thinking through what's going to work best for me. So I have kind of like sort of three personalities of meal planning, if you want me to go into Ooh, that. Oh, yes, please. Okay. So the first personality is the absolute meal plan. So everything's planned. Breakfast plan, lunch is planned, dinner's planned, snacks, right? So you, you have spelled it out for the week. And this works really well for people who love routine, love structure, and that they're weak in terms of the other activities like their work and other parts of their life follow a reasonably predictable structure. So essentially, these people just need to, one, make some time in their week to do the actual meal planning. So chuck it into their calendar or have it on their to-do list so it gets done. So, you know, on a weekend or Friday night or whatever suits them, have their meal plan out and then you know, schedule in to their meal plan. Oh, I'm having a family dinner that night or I've got a work meeting on that lunch day, right? To sort of map their meal plan against their schedule for the week. So that way, what they're planning is actually going to help them. And the example I give for that is if you are driving around in your car all day for work visiting clients, planning a lunch where you need to, you know, have a knife and fork and sit at a table and use a microwave is not going to help you. On that day, like you kind of think, oh, I'm going to be in the car driving, seeing clients all day on Thursday. So maybe I need to plan myself, you know, a chicken and salad wrap and I put it in a cooler bag with an ice block right on that day so I can carry it with me and eat it in the car, that kind of thing. So it's thinking about what have they got coming up in the week and then planning their meals around that. And then the next step is then just sort of filling in the rest of the meal plan. This is what I'm going to eat for breakfast, their favorite recipes or, you know, writing a shopping list and then going out and buying the food. And then it's literally the meal plans might be up on their fridge or in their phone and they're literally like, wake up. Okay, this is what I'm having for breakfast. Great, this is what I'm packing for lunch. And they're just following the meal plan throughout the week. So that's like the absolute meal planner. Yeah, sure. So people, highly organized people, have really spelled it out. But the key with this one is that you, because you've spelled out every meal and snack from Monday through to Sunday, you've got to have aligned it with your schedule so that, it's actually helpful rather than you get to a certain meal and you're like, oh, this oh isn't I don't have time work. to cook yeah. this two-hour slow cook thing because i got to take Freddie to soccer or something like that. So, yeah, the key with the absolute meal plan is just making sure it's aligning with yeah, what's your routine. Your okay, so what is yeah. personality number two then? So this is the flexible meal planner. This is where I put myself personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um So this is less like Monday night, I'm eating this. This is like, I'm going to just plan my dinners. And rather than saying, you know, aligning a certain dinner to a certain evening, I'm just going to plan five dinners and I'm just going to make sure I've got all the ingredients for that. Most of these dinners are going to give me leftovers for lunch the next day. And then I'm going to just buy all the ingredients for these five things. But then I'm just going to decide on the day which of these five things I'm going to eat. So you're, you're a little bit more on the fly. Mm. This is good for people who so who don't want to feel like locked in 
you know, who might look at the meal, the absolute meal plan and be like, oh, I don't want fish and salad. I want burritos. So, <laughs> Which is so me. Like if I go and plan a meal a week in advance, I get to like the Wednesday or Thursday and I'm like, no, I'm just going to switch this one out. Like I just don't feel like that one right now. That's part of it, isn't yeah. it? It's like because food is like not just basic. It's not just nutrition. It's, it's not like just popping you're pill. looking forward no. to eating. It's, yeah. it's got to be that social yeah. um, event yep. as well. Yeah. So I think the flexible meal plan is really key and most people are like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about it this way because they think that healthy eating only can happen with the absolute meal plan because it's this black and white thinking that diet thing has taught us Mm. that you have to stick to the meal plan. I remember a client saying to me when I was teaching her some meal planning stuff and she was like, do you like spell your meals out for the week? And I was like, yeah, some weeks I do, depending on what my week is like. I find the more busy I am, the more planned I need to be with my food because otherwise I'll just not eat through the whole day or it just won't work for me. Mm. Um, And they're like, and so I I bet you, you follow your meal plan perfectly. I was like, I never do. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Because my life with kids, as you guys know, your day never goes as you plan it to. No. just Something always pops up. Ah, I need $2 for the bloody fundraiser at school. And you're like, why are we having cash fundraisers? Anyway, sorry, that's a bugbear of mine. <laughs> I need a gold coin to, for silly sock day. And so then we've got to like stop in at Woolworth. Anyway, I'm, I'm ranting. But I just find <laughs> my day never goes to plan. Mm. So I need to stay flexible. And so I like the idea that I've got sort of my fundamentals of my meals planned out. I know roughly what I'm eating in the week, but then I can change it up as I need to. But I've got... The key for me with the flexible meal plan is I've got, you know, lovely whole food, you know, chicken and fish and mince that's ready to go in the freezer so I can make something up or follow a recipe. And I've got lots of veggies available because I've shopped. Do you know what I mean? So I've got mm. the raw ingredients there. I can either follow the recipes I've planned or I can make something up if I'm feeling that way inclined. It just gives me a bit more um, breathing room, but I'm yeah. still prepared in that, you know, I've, I've got a stocked kitchen that's um, that's half the issue I feel like is when you don't have any sort of meal planning happening you do tend to run to the shops at five o'clock every afternoon Mm. um, gathering Mm -hmm. the ingredients but when you've got this basic kitchen pantry stocked and especially when you you stock it with veggies and fruit that can kind of you know go with lots of different things I find that there is a bit more yeah flexibility And it's so funny, Kate. Yeah, definitely. What you were mentioning before when you actually said you don't have to have a meal plan that you follow breakfast, lunch and dinner every day. You can be the person that, you know, has a basic plan and then gets to a particular night and says, oh, I'm actually going to not do that one or what do I feel like tonight or, or something like that. I actually felt like this huge burden lift off my shoulders because I have always oh, I've always felt like with meal planning it's all or nothing. And yeah. I know a lot of my clients with organising and decluttering feel like it's all or nothing as well. And that's part of the reason why we're doing the Little Home Organised podcast is to help normalise um, progress, not perfection. Mm. and The middle ground. Yep. The middle ground, yeah. And I just felt like, oh, it's actually okay that I am not sitting down every Saturday or Sunday night and planning out the whole week's worth of meals and making sure that I've got, mm. you know, the exact ingredients and stuff. I think there are a lot of people who would have heard that and just felt like, oh, that's a sense of freedom I didn't know I could have. So thank you. Oh, no worries. I think, you know, 
the key for me is is when I've got a client who who feels the same way, and it's super common to feel that is that it's such a big job, like sitting down on the weekend and planning out every mm. meal and snack, right? It's a huge job. It takes at least an hour. Then you've got to go and do the actual shopping and you're following this list and then, ah, it's a big job. And the, yeah. the, then people are like, oh, well, I only eat healthy when I'm organized. And so then I'm like, well, how often do you write that meal plan? And they're like, oh, once a month. And so then I'm like, <laughs> well, then that tool isn't serving you. Like yeah. if you're not actually doing the act of planning your meals, then, then yeah. what's the point of even, you know what I mean? And so then I'm like, why aren't you doing the meal plan? And they're like, oh, sometimes I can't be bothered. And so then that's often a trigger for me to think your expectations of meal planning are too high. And so mm. you're just not even starting because you're like, oh, so just lower the bar a bit. And I'm like, just plan your dinners. Just start there. Just keep it really easy so they take action and just start the process. Yeah. And then slowly over time, you start to discover, I guess, the meal planning personality or the tool or the, you know, the process that works for you. Um, and it, there's lots of different ways it can work for you. So. Okay. So before um, we wrap up this very insightful episode, what is that third personality? Because I have a feeling there's a few people going, quick, tell me about it because um, what's the third one? I feel yeah. like I'm that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the last one is on the fly meal plan. So, right, it's kind of like, ah, I've got no food. What do I do? So this is where I am equipping clients with, if they've got good knowledge and skill, you can do an on the fly meal plan in that you kind of like, are maybe and if this is how you prefer to do it and you've got the money to do it because it's expensive is either buying food prepared away from home Mm -hmm. and if you have good nutrition knowledge you can actually eat reasonably healthy buying food out these days but you just need to know right what you're looking for and what's going to suit you and your goals but is that you can walk into a supermarket buy four things and pull a meal together so like Mm. barbecue chicken wraps a bag of mixed salad and aioli and you've got chicken and salad wraps mm. or you go in and you buy a tin of tuna and one of those pre-made like Greek salad mixes and you've got, you know, a tuna salad or you buy some salmon fillets, some a bag of pre-chopped stir-fry veggies and some, you know, brown rice noodles. So I bought three things, but I'm throwing this, you know, reasonably balanced meal together. So mm. we um, have a like a resource that we use with our clients that's sort of healthy supermarket meals which is walk into the supermarket buy these things (laughs) and you can throw together a reasonably quick tasty and healthy meal using sort of convenience items from the supermarket or if you keep your workplace or your home stocked with these sort of pantry staples it means that um, on the weeks or days when you haven't gone to plan you've still got something there that you can fall back on so it's kind of like oh crap I burnt dinner on the meal plan. All right, let's just go and get takeaway pizza. You could mm. go, well, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But you could if you've got some um, tins of tuna and some wraps and a couple of little staples in your home, throw together a, a sort of a backup meal because you've got this stuff available and sort of throw to a meal together on the fly. So, Yet again, being organized think, pays off in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the on-the-fly stuff, it really only works when people have good – nutrition knowledge and they're feeling confident in their food choices where most people who come to see me are like I don't need, I don't know I don't know what's healthy like should mm. I eat the bread should I not eat the bread today so if you're lacking confidence in knowing what to eat the on the fly meal plan is tricky because you're like I don't know if I'm doing it right do you know what I mean so yeah so you're second guessing whereas, yourself yeah I I do think 
on the fly is is good as a backup, but there needs to be generally some kind of forethought mm. and and a, a bit of structure in the way that suits you to help you with your food choices. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. You have clearly got such a wealth of knowledge behind you and Bonnie and I could talk to you for hours. Unfortunately, we don't We don't have time for that. But where can people uh, access your information and your services if they want to find out more about how they can live more nutritionally, meal plan and other information about their nutrition? Yeah, sure. If they head to healthyeatinghub.com.au, that's my online healthy eating program that teaches healthy habit building so they can find out all about the program and join that on there. Lots of recipes, new planning advice, all those sort of skills for long-term healthy eating they can find there. Awesome. And of course, you've got your own podcast. I do. All oh, the Daily Dollop. Yes. Check that out too. I love that. <laughs> she forgot that about thing I do every she day. For, she forgot about that momentarily. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that old thing. So um. for those of you who haven't yet listened to Kate's podcast, highly recommend it. The Daily Dollop does small bite-sized episodes. So if you're looking to get like some nutrition information and you've only got a short commute to school or a short walk that you go on, they're really good-sized episodes, but they're jam-packed full of information. I personally have found them to be really useful, really helpful because Kate as we've listened to today you've got a real no-nonsense approach to um, healthy eating you like you really make it seem like nutrition and healthy lifestyles are attainable for everybody we just kind of need to start shifting our mindset around food oh good thank you thanks for having me guys awesome well thank you so much for being here and that's all we have time for this week's episode thank you so much for choosing to have us in your ears and remember progress not perfection see you later bye We'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoy the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world. 